Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, Episode 2, your 2017 astronaut class. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. So on this podcast, we bring in the experts, NASA scientists, engineers, astronauts, pretty much all the folks that have the coolest information, the stuff you really want to know, right on the show and talk about everything NASA. So today we're talking about the new astronaut class of 2017 with Ann Romer. She's the manager of the Astronaut Selection Office here at the NASA Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas. And we had a great discussion about the astronaut candidate class of 2017, who they are, what they bring to the table, and why these 12 people were chosen out of more than 18,000 applicants. I also had a chance to talk with them all at the same time, but I only had a few minutes, so I thought it would be fun to play two truths and a lie to get to know them a little bit better. And I'm not adding any fluff when I say that they are a truly outstanding group of people, not only with their insane qualifications and expertise, but also with their personalities. And we'll play that segment today on uh, this episode. So with no further delay, let's go light speed and jump right ahead to our talk with Miss Ann Romer. Enjoy. Minus five seconds and counting. Mark. Launch commit light search for the red. Here she goes. Houston, we have a podcast. Well, now, uh, so, Ann, you're coming uh, right out of, I guess, the frying pan, or out of the fire into the frying pan. That's how it goes a little bit. Uh, Yeah, last week was the, we actually did the astronaut selection event. We had our 12 new astronauts of the class of 2017 come on, and uh, we we got to meet them all, in a sense, and the media were talking to them. So you are the person that's responsible, kind of, in a way, with your team for selecting those 12 astronauts. Um, So... That must have been quite a process, huh? It it was it was a a ginormous process actually. <laughs> um, certainly from the beginning, we weren't anticipating that we'd have eighteen thousand over eighteen thousand applications. <laughs> uh, so that was a surprise to us. Um, and then certainly um, reading through all of those and at all the various checkpoints along the way to get to the event last week where we announced twelve. Uh, it was. An exciting, exciting week for NASA. So certainly there were, is it there was a whole team of people involved um, in getting us from that eighteen thousand point down to where we were last week. But it was yeah. an honor to participate. <laughs> so what were those last couple weeks like leading up to last week to the actual reveal? Was it was it did it get progressively more crazy as you got to that point? Certainly. Uh, there's there's always a little bit of lag between when we know who we've selected and when yeah. we actually communicate with the candidates. And mm-hmm. so that's probably one of the most interesting times because you're excited and you certainly want to share the good news. Um, <laughs> but again, when we had decided to do the live announcement, we had kind of had a timeline that we had mapped out with them. Um, and then certainly when we added uh, the vice presidential visit to come and help us announce that, which was just really positive for NASA. Yeah. Um, but that certainly spooled up the intensity around the event that we hosted last week where we got to share with the world who we'd picked. For sure. And are you kind of glad it's over or is it still not over? I'm I'm sleeping a little bit better uh, this week than I was last week. So, yes, I'm definitely relieved um, and certainly happy. NASA, I think, did an amazing job of picking these 12 and, and 
Right. It was an exciting moment, I think, for NASA to get to share that with everyone. Yeah. Just, uh, I mean, we, we had to take them around and, and, and help them out with their portraits and stuff from the on the public affairs side. We had to take them around with the uh, portraits and, and let them talk to media. We did it right at an AMA. So I got to talk with them just a little bit and get to know them a little bit better. And they were just a fantastic group of people. In fact, there, I got a, a less than 20 minutes with them uh, in their jam-packed day talking to the media to get to know them a little better. So, so to do that, I thought it would be really fun to play two, two Truths and a Lie, the game. So they wrote down three statements, two of them are true, one of them's false, and then they just start guessing uh, um, like uh, which one is the, the lie and get to know them a little bit better. And, and at that time, they had been so busy that they hadn't had to get a chance to know each other. So, so they were taking wild guesses. But man, when I told them the, the game, they were like, okay, you know, it's, it's a little bit different from what they were normally playing, but they just went right into it. And it was, an, it was a great group of people. So I thought, I thought it would be really fun to start with that segment, uh, playing Two Truths and a Lie with the 12 astronauts, and just kind of get to know them. You get to know their first names a little bit and a little bit more about them, but then we'll come back and, and kind of talk more about who they are and, and uh, what they do. So, producer Alex, let's play the wormhole sound effect thingy. Okay, welcome to the astronaut class of 2017. It's been a crazy couple of days for you guys. Uh, what with the announcement coming here, you've had a lot of interviews so far, and we've gotten to know just a little bit about you, but I thought we'd do something a little bit more fun today by doing uh, two truths and a lie. So if you're not familiar with the game, uh, each one of you has a piece of paper, and you've written down two true statements about yourself and one false statement. So. Let's see how, you, how well you know each other now and see if you can guess which thing is the lie. I think we'll start by just going in alphabetical order. It seems like this is how we did the announcement and how we've been doing most things. So Kayla, let's start with you. Your two truths and a lie. Awesome, love going first. It's always a good thing here. Um, so my, my first statement here is I've never lost a game of charades. Lie. My second statement is <laughs> I predicted my little sister's birth. And my third statement was um, I was once part of a competitive wine tasting team. It's out there. Have you ever played charades? Can't answer that. <laughs> What's the ROE on question asking? Outright guess? What do you mean you predicted the birth? Like, can't answer that. It's called there was going to be a baby? That seems that's pretty loose. <laughs> <laughs> that's without definition. I think that's pretty loosely. Well, I don't have a sister. Yeah. Count. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Belly's off. Awesome. Yeah, charades. She's probably never played charades. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a lie. Yeah. I think so. Well, you guys got it right. I will. <laughs> it was based on a truth. I've actually never lost a game of Pictionary. So if anybody's up to challenge that run, and I've played a lot of Pictionary, okay. so. But good job, guys. Turn off the camera. We're playing Pictionary. Yeah, <laughs> Definitely need to know more about the competitive wine tasting. That sounds awesome. Um, so I went to the University of Cambridge for grad school, okay. and it's it's an interesting place. I call it Disney World for nerds because it's just like not real life. Um, but one of their varsity sports there is blind wine tasting, wherein you do a red, uh, first a white round, then a red round, where they pour you six glasses of wine from like wine bottles and bags so you can't see anything about it. And then you have to identify a bunch of like nerdy characteristics, like tasting notes, how much alcohol, sugar content, acidity level, where it was grown, etc. I will say that I did not make the varsity squad <laughs> due to actually drinking my wine at practice <laughs> as opposed to spitting it out. So, but it was a good time for sure. That sounds awesome. Well, <laughs> okay, so next we'll move on to Zena. Okay. 
Okay, let's see. First of all, I absolutely hate mushrooms. I will not eat them. I will not touch them. Um, two, I am really good at bowling. And three, I'm really good at etch-a-sketching. <laughs> I've never broken a hundred. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> so etch a sketching. What's the coolest thing you've drawn on an etch a sketch? Um, I did a portrait of Bob Dylan in high school that was really good. And then at the very end, <laughs> at the very end, I decided to write his name, uh, but I forgot the L in Dylan, and I had to do it over again. Oh, <laughs> no. Are you good at staircases? That's probably the best thing exactly. I can do. There's for no sure. undo button. Yeah, <laughs> circles are still tricky though. Awesome. Okay, Raja, let's move on to you. All right. So uh, I used to slice deli meat for a living. I met Neil Armstrong when I was five, and my flight lead stopped me from uh, flying into North Korea. Deli meat. <laughs> Neil Armstrong. Deli meat. Deli meat. Neil Armstrong. Only because they asked yesterday if anybody had ever met Neil Armstrong. Okay. How fast can you slice the deli meat? Pretty fast. My my wife and I actually worked at Hy-Vee for a while, and we sliced deli meat in the in the deli section. She actually lost the tip of her finger on the deli slicer, so but reattached. So. All right. Very cool, and definitely need to need to know the story behind almost flying into North Korea. So the, the there's a restricted area, uh, uh -huh. and there's obviously a lot of airfields in uh -huh. that area. And so I was a young wingman, and we were doing practice target attacks. And I was, uh, we were, just you know, split from each other. And I was doing a talk on we call it to an airfield, and I was you know I was getting really close. I'm like, man, I can break out and count things on the runway, and and all of a sudden my flight lead realizes that <coughs> that is not a South Korean airfield that I'm describing. That is a North Korean airfield, and. Uh, yeah, calls me south uh, before anything worse happened. But yeah, I was I was, you know, fat, dumb, and happy. Like, you know, into this scenario. Like, oh, here's you. He got this. You know, describing everything I saw on the ground, which was actually really something over there on the ground. But yeah. <laughs> well, now you have an amazing amount of flight experience yeah. too. So I'm sure <laughs> some things you're gonna learn from. Awesome. Okay, so Matt, you're up. All right. All right, my three things here. Uh, I have climbed ten, fourteeners in Colorado. I rode on the crew team in college, and I won a gift wrapping competition during the holiday season at the container store. <laughs> I really hope the container thing is true. That would be awesome. Special guess. Fourteeners is the lie. All right. I've climbed zero. <laughs> I've only driven up them. I climbed one. It's a pretty funny story. <laughs> so I'm guessing you have a record for the gift wrapping competition, then, right? No, I was you just know, it's holiday season, and I think in D.C. Uh, we were, you know, with my wife at the Container Store, and uh, yes. <laughs> they happened to have a competition for you could win a, like a gift certificate and I kept refusing to join but my wife got me into it and then I won it <laughs> we got an awesome $20 gift certificate I'm surprised you haven't climbed any 14ers though that's surprising yeah I know yeah. growing up in Colorado not having climbed a 14 is pretty unusual <laughs> okay uh, well let's move on to uh, Bob 
All right, here we go. Uh, I, I reordered these, so your philosophy on which one's the lie doesn't apply. face. That's right. So, <laughs> uh, I met my wife in grad school. I went to college on a track scholarship, and I got hit by a truck while flying an airplane. Yeah, wife in grad school. Didn't meet her there. Met you got to tell the truck story, man. <laughs> <laughs> always is. Uh, so I was uh, flying a little Cessna 152, tiny little airfield, uncontrolled uh, airfield up in Pennsylvania. And there's a, uh, there's a road literally about 10 feet from the end of the runway. They have these little flashing lights that says, say, uh, yield to low-flying aircraft. <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting in the left side of the airplane where you sit when you're by yourself. And I'm coming down final approach. And next thing I know, I hear this thump. And I'm looking out the side of the airplane at the runway. Uh, I go around, and I'm trying to figure out what just happened. I look over my shoulder. I see a black disc bounce and hit a building. <laughs> I look out, and there's no wheel on the left side. And uh, so after a little troubleshooting and talking to the guys on the ground uh, at, the, at the FBO, they all come out, you know, standing by the runway. I fly by, and they're like, okay, you have just a strut on your left side and nothing on the right side. Oh, uh, still have no idea what happened at this point. I just know all that stuff flew off the airplane at some point. Uh, anyway, we landed on the runway. I mean, it's a Cessna, so you'd land at 45 knots, <laughs> something like that. So, touchdown, it spins around in the airplane. We all get out and we're standing around like a bunch of hillbillies, kind of. <laughs> oh, man, that was cool. Uh, and this tractor trailer comes driving down, pulls over the 10 feet of grass, drives up the runway, and he goes, You hit my truck. <laughs> and uh, he uh, lifts up the back, and uh, we look in, it's an empty trailer. And you can see you skidded right across the top, uh, one of the spars that holds the skin on the uh, top of the air, uh, top of the wow. truck. I skidded right across it. Wow. So it uh, was six a lie then, because you hit the truck. True. <laughs> <laughs> that was for insurance purposes. Uh, so <laughs> the truth was twisted. This is on uh, TV. So they now, <laughs> they now have a displaced we'll threshold down there at that airport, uh, 300 feet down, so that there's no hazards on the, uh, on the thing. So that's uh, that's all due to me. You got an amazing story. <laughs> or the truck story, driver, actually. It's all due to me. <laughs> so it was funny though, he's calling his insurance company and they go, okay, I had, we had an accident. And they said, okay, what's the vehicle type? And he's like, looks at me and I'm like, Cessna 152. <laughs> like, we don't have that in our database. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so let's move on to uh, Woody. All right. Uh, so in keeping with Mass Theme, um, I've climbed one of the seven summits. Uh, I built model rockets in high school and I can do a standing front flip. You're too tall for a front flip. <laughs> Your rotational nerves is too big. <laughs> no chance. You had to have built for the rockets. He was known for rocket making as a kid. Among circles of rocket makers. Actually, BK said something about him making rockets. The summit? Yeah. Summit. I think it's, a front it's front the front flip. flip. It's oh. Can't do a front flip. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, if that was the truth, we would definitely have a demonstration. Too tall. Can you do a back flip? I cannot. Oh. Uh, <laughs> not even off the diving board? Never tried. It just seems really scary. <laughs> so what uh, summit did you climb? I did uh, Denali. Denali. All right. Very cool. Very nice. Very cool. Okay, uh, Johnny, you're up. So, number one, I wrote, uh, enlisting in the Navy was the best decision of my life. Number two, 
I got in trouble overseas uh, after being on the phone next to a generator after a mortar attack and not being there for the headcount. And I am a hot dog eating champion of my local high school. Kobayashi. Hot dogs. I think the first one, yeah. I think the, the marriage is the first one. I think you're tricking us Damn it, we just put it in the back spot. We'll let you get a pass on that. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Which was the lie? Hot dogs. Hot dogs. Is that the hot Hot dogs? Yeah, that was the lie. <laughs> I, I am now in trouble. It's a sad puppy face. You figured me out. Love it. So what, that generator story. I was, are, I, no, I, I definitely got in trouble with my platoon. For okay. where's Johnny? And I was, I was outside on the phone. So. Oh man. Okay. Well, glad you're okay. All right, Rob, you're up. All right. So. Um, inspected a rocket booster while it had liquid oxygen on board. Uh, skied off the summit of Denali wearing a Superman cape. Or went rock climbing with a broken ankle while wearing an astronaut helmet. Ooh. What was the second one? Skied, skied off the summit of Denali wearing a Superman cape. I'll go with that one. Yeah, I'd go with that one. You guys are too easy. Yeah, that's yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of cape was it? <laughs> that, was, that was the lie. <laughs> what, was, what was the last one again? I uh, went rock climbing with a broken ankle while wearing an astronaut helmet. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why not? I didn't realize it was broken. It just kept getting out on me. <laughs> no, why do you have that? We're safe. No, we, so we um, one of those padded uh, padded astronaut helmets like you see in the costume store. And um, my buddies and I, we always like when we go climbing, you know, having some sort of gag with the, with the affair, whether it be... Uh, some sort of silly costume, I guess, and that day was the astronaut helmet, so. <laughs> okay, that was awesome. <laughs> Jasmine, you're up. All right, I'm an aunt to an incredibly cute and well-mannered four-year-old little girl. In college, I was a member of the varsity basketball, lacrosse, volleyball, and cross-country teams, and I was pushed down a flight of stairs by my brother when I was two. You don't seem like you'd be well behaved. I think it's something in the second one. I think yeah, one of the one of those is fake in the list. No, it's too it's too many. That would be weird. Or maybe her her niece is not well behaved. You or your niece? I think she really I think she really did all the sports. Was it you that's well behaved at four? No, no, no. I didn't do that many sports in three seasons. Yeah, you can. Oh, you can do but it. There's many years. Oh, okay. My four-year-old year. Sports. Once she gets that varsity letter, she just moves on to the next sport. <laughs> <laughs> I go with, I'm going to go with stairs. I think she pushed her brother down the stairs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the werewolf skills coming out. <laughs> so which one is it? <laughs> All right. I, I don't have a four-year-old niece. Uh, <laughs> anymore. That was so descriptive. <laughs> I pushed her down the stairs. So how did you make time for all the sports? Um, so I, I played uh, I played volleyball my freshman year. Volleyball and lacrosse my freshman uh, year. Cross country. Basketball and lacrosse my uh, sophomore year. And then basketball and lacrosse my junior and Senior wow. Wow. Very impressive. That's awesome. I believed all along, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have about two more minutes, so let's go on to Laurel. 
All right, so I eat tacos at least half the, half the days of the week. Respect. In the middle school, I used to get in trouble for talking out loud in class all the time. And I once won a no-shower marathon. <laughs> middle school. Middle school. Tacos. Does that mean really? four days a week or three days a week? Or three and a half? Like, Three or four days. It's a technicality. Yeah, technicality. <laughs> so well, welcome back to Houston. This is, this is, <laughs> you got their pick of really no shower contest. Yeah, so I rode on the crew team, and uh, oh, okay. my freshman year, uh, the women's team decided to do a no shower marathon. So starting, it was like the end of October. Uh, we just stopped showering. So we were going to practice like once or twice a day. And, and going to class and everything. and oh, classmates. Yeah, it was pretty rough by the end of it. We actually called it. There were two of us still left. So I'm a co-champion. <laughs> How many days did you make we, it? It's like 21 oh. days. Wow. All right, well, you'll be well prepared for space because yeah, yeah, they actually yeah. do the wet wipe showers that, when you're in there. Uh, so you'll was, be ready. Yeah, no wet wipes. OK, so Frank. <laughs> no wet wipes. All right. So. I started dating my wife in high school. Uh, I've flown a handmade Russian aircraft while deployed. And I once owned four ducks, a rabbit, and six guinea pigs at the same time. What was the second what one? Three. three. Uh, I once flew a, a Russian, or a handmade Russian aircraft while deployed. Is it a helo? Yeah, it's animals. a hair craft. No, I think the animals are true. I think the ducks are true. Yeah, mm. I think they're yeah. the wife? What was the wife name? I started dating my wife in high school. They started dating her. I believe that one. We'll go with the animals. I'll go with the animals. Yeah, no, it was a Hungarian aircraft. So. That's a lot of animals, right? Yeah, so we had three guinea pigs three female guinea pigs. Somehow one of them got pregnant <laughs> and had babies. And so afterwards, we had six guinea pigs. Wow. <laughs> 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 Little sneaky guy. <laughs> OK, Jessica, you're last. So my guilty pleasure is watching American Ninja Warrior. I eat extremely slowly. And I won an Olympic medal. I think the, uh, <laughs> the Olympic medal <laughs> in your It's the first one's alive. Olympic medal in what? <laughs> I think it's the Ninja Warrior. Ninja Warrior is Ninja awesome. Warrior. I think not like that. that. I think she did win. I think she won a medal. I think she did too. I think it's the first one in the line. What was the first one? I watch American Ninja Warrior. You're, no, you're a fast eater. You said the second one's a She's a slow eater. She's taken to go boxes everywhere we've gone. So I think it's the Ninja Warrior. The lie is the lies that I won an Olympic medal, but I appreciate that you guys <laughs> <laughs> took your time. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it would have been. Yeah. Yeah. But you did win a couple of rugby championships, right? Yes. Yeah. Very cool. 
Okay. Uh, guys, thanks so much for taking the time to play this game, get to know you a little bit better. Uh, for our viewers and listeners, if you want to know the real biographies of these guys, the real long um, informative ones, just go to uh, nasa.gov slash 2017 astronauts. We have the uh, bios of each one of these guys up here and you can learn more about them. Uh, so guys, it's been a pleasure talking with you today and uh, best of luck on your uh, transition to moving to Houston and to uh, start training. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. So playing that game, we got to know like a little bit more of a personal side to them and a little bit of the stories just, you know, they've obviously had a ton of experiences, both personal and professional, um, all over the place. But really, I mean, you had, like you said, over 18,000 applications and you had to narrow it down to 12. So these people are some of the best, the brightest minds in the United States uh, right now. So I just thought we'd go through them and, and talk more maybe about their qualifications. Uh, starting, like I said, in the pot, in the uh, uh, two truths and a lie game alphabetically. I thought, you know, we, we announce them alphabetically, let's play the game alphabetically and then go through them alphabetically. Sure. Um, so Kayla, Lieutenant um, U.S. Navy, and she was the, uh, she was in the submarine, is that sure. right? Yes, yeah. and she was um, one of the first um, women commissioned into the submarine force. Incredible. Um, so previously, right, only men had been accepted into that unit within the Navy. So mm -hmm. she was in the first class of, of women to be integrated into the submarine force. That's incredible. And her leadership skills probably showed that, right? Just to, to she, I guess she presented herself in a great way during those interviews. Abs absolutely, and, and really they all did, right? But to add that extra experience of, of living and working and leading on a submarine, there are a lot of direct parallels that I think apply to living and working in space in another extreme environment. Extreme, yeah, exactly. You're, you're in a enclosed space. You have only metal around you to look at pretty much and uh, yeah, it's hazardous and you have to work with the people that you're in this tight space with. Yep. I think one of the questions we asked them when uh, we interviewed them on Skype was, you know, what makes you a good person to be uh, trapped in an in a enclosed space with? And a lot of them said, you know, I pack light or, you know, they said, uh, I don't take up a lot of space or I'm a quiet sleeper, you know, stuff like that. So yeah. they were, <laughs> it was fun. Uh, so Zena, uh, uh, close to my heart being a Penn Stater, but she's uh, she's got quite... Um, quite a, a resume uh, going for her PhD of geoscience at Penn State University and a couple Antarctic expeditions. Yeah, she had some some field experience in Antarctica. Uh, Zena, is, as you probably noticed if you watched any of the coverage from last week, probably never goes anywhere without a smile on her face. <laughs> uh, it was probably one of the best phone calls that we have made mm -hmm. um, because you could tell she was just... Um, so happy and so overwhelmed and just so moved so yeah i think per, you know personality's got to be one of the one of a driving factor to to be an astronaut right because you know referring back to that s statement you know you have to be in an enclosed environment with people for long periods of time you have to make sure you have a good personality and that you're going to get along Sure, we're looking right for a variety of skill sets, but certainly one of the questions that always comes up is, is right, every, every person has quirks to their personality, but can you modulate yeah. as you need to in, in those environments? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and another part, I guess, is, the, is just the diversity of the candidates. We already, so, so we talked about uh, uh, Kayla Barron from the U.S. Navy, uh, worked in a submarine, Zena Cartman, more of a, a scientist. Raja Chari is, uh, he is a pilot, a U.S. pilot. Um, he was part of the U.S. Navy test pilot school and was flying F-35s. That's, is that the one? 
I can't, I can't remember. Is that the one that has the vertical takeoff and landing one? That's or? the new, and this okay. is out of my area of expertise, right, but the new aircraft that's yeah, coming on yeah. online for all of the service branches. And mm-hmm. I think each service branch has some modifications to suit their their various platforms. But certainly one of the newest and probably most cutting-edge pieces of um, – technology coming into the to the military and he's been responsible for leading a significant portion of the testing efforts Mm -hmm. around that in relation to the the u.s air force so he'll be good with kind of familiarizing himself with brand new spacecraft and figuring stuff out learning the quirks i know uh coming up here we got some new spacecraft that the astronauts are going to fly right we got the spacex crew dragon and the boeing starliner they're actually going to be flying these brand new vehicles um on top of other things you you know you got the orion capsule too so he's going to be very good probably at, at a good person to pilot that he also has a master's degree from mit in aeronautics and astronautics so he's very familiar with the with the skies and beyond i guess yeah we hope so <laughs> yeah okay so matt dominic uh uh, lieutenant commander in the U.S. Navy, also an en- some engineering experience, um, and a pilot serving an F-A-18E pilot strike fighter squadron, 1,600 hours of uh, flight time over several combat missions. We got a, uh, quite a few pilots, I guess. I think, uh, I forget the number, four? Three. Three. We, three have, pilots? we hired okay. three pilots in this class. Okay. So yeah, Matt, Matt certainly, um, I think, will add a lot to this to this class as well. Um, one of the things that probably isn't on his resume, but that we had the pleasure of learning mm-hmm. about through the interview process, is also a really great cook. So, <laughs> we, I'm sure that will enhance uh, the experience for his classmates. For sure. Have you seen some of the things that uh, uh, Jack Fisher is making on board too? He takes pictures of them. He makes like crazy burritos and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. He's so Matt should inventive. be well prepared for that. Oh so, yeah. And certainly, right? We were fortunate um, to have him here last week for the event. He, when we notified him, he was actually on board an aircraft carrier mm-hmm. on deployment, and so um, it was questionable for a time as to whether he could get off the carrier to be here in Houston that's to meet right. the rest of his classmates. So again, very, very lucky that the we had the support of the Navy to help us get him here in person. Absolutely. I remember, um, so we were we were going through the Skype interviews uh, right after they got selected. We wanted to interview them and get a couple words from them before they came on because we knew, you know, their, their schedules were just going to be so hectic. We wanted to make sure we could ask them plenty of questions in a reasonable amount of time. And he actually had to cancel the interview that I was going to do with him because he had a mission. And so uh, we rescheduled and I think Dan was the one who ended up interviewing him. But, you know, it was, it was really, like you said, it was really nice that he, he it was able to accommodate uh, his schedule for for us um another person bob hines uh <laughs> i guess very special to us because he's from the johnson space center right yeah. a lot of people here knew him and were you know wide-eyed i guess when he went on the stage oh my gosh there's bob that's yeah cool. he, he was, was he was our second pilot mm-hmm. um that we picked out of the group and yeah is is what we would call a local yeah. uh, in that he already lived here and was part of the nasa family so certainly excited to make that transition from being an instructor pilot out at Ellington Field into the astronaut corps. Absolutely. And he's going to, you know, like you said, there's, we have the, these pilots here to, cause they're the ones that will be flying the, the new vehicles and it's very exciting. Uh, so Woody Hoberg is, uh, from actually Pennsylvania, actually talking with him. He, uh, went to a high school that competed with my high school. 
Uh, also, actually, Bob Hines went to that same high school. Yeah, they both they went did. to the North Allegheny. And that, 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 out of 18,000, that's kind of a small world fact right Two there. Two of them from the same high school is crazy. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is pretty awesome. Um, undergraduate degree in aeronautical and astronautical engineering from MIT, PhD in electrical and computer science from University of California, Berkeley, and he's an assistant professor at MIT. Very smart man. Very smart indeed. Uh, and again, right, having that academic perspective, mm-hmm. I think it... it lends him to have kept up with kind of some of the cutting edge trends mm-hmm. uh, in engineering in terms of, right, one of his main roles at MIT is to mentor a group of students working in a lab. So mm-hmm. I think he comes with some some very sharp and hands-on engineering skills. Exactly. And very diverse too, aeronautical, astronautical, ec- electrical, and computer science. Yeah, so pretty much able- covers it all, right? <laughs> I mean, He'll be able to do it all. All right, this next guy, Johnny Kim, super cool. Enlisted in the U.S. Navy as a Navy SEAL, over 100 combat missions, earned the Silver Star and Bronze Star, also graduated with a degree in math from University of San Diego, and got his M.D. at Harvard Medical School. So he's a doctor and a Navy SEAL. Crazy. Yeah, he is, um, you know, a great a great patriot and right his his time in the navy was recognized with a silver star as right. well as a bronze star with valor so certainly um oh, an american hero <laughs> truly amazing and the fact that these uh, i mean we're, as we're going through i'm realizing everyone's got you know they don't just do one thing they do many many different things i think coming up here uh i, I guess i'll skip around but i know um uh laurel she she did uh, uh she got a degree in aerospace engineering from Can- from uh, university of kansas master's degree in propulsion and fluid dynamics from purdue uh, but then she works at the Oceanographic Institute over, I think, in Massachusetts. But she also did the NASA flight program when she was a, a student and worked as an intern at JPL. Yeah, I think, honestly, with candidates um, through this selection cycle and others, it's been it's an interesting tidbit to note how many of them participated in some type of NASA educational program mm-hmm. along the way. We hear a lot of that throughout the interviews, whether that's a NASA internship or a NASA cooperative education position, or the what you know the reduced gravity opportunities. Sometimes it's some of the graduate research fellowships that NASA sponsors. Mm-hmm. That for me is interesting to hear how those experiences early on in, in a person's right life and career trajectory can have a big impact on them, um, and that they come back and pursue careers that kind of align with someday working at NASA and then ultimately we have a number of them that got picked for the astronaut corps. Yeah, and and uh, Dr. Jessica Watkins is also one of those Similar, people, right? Yeah. PhD in, uh, it says geology here, but I know talking with her planetary geology at uh, UC- UCLA, she's kind of an expert in Mars. She actually worked, uh, in, her work experience includes time at JPL and Ames. She was working on, uh, I wanna say Curiosity, was she? Yep, yeah, Curiosity. It was, yeah, it was Curiosity, yeah. how about that? Yeah, that I mean, that's another good example, right? To have that experience um, on the research and the robotic side of, of NASA's missions and then bring that into the to the human spaceflight element, mm-hmm. you know, certainly that's helpful because those two go hand in hand yeah. as far as NASA reaching, 
you know, farther and farther out into the solar system. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we got folks that worked at NASA and have various experiences there, including um, Jessica Watkins and Laurel O'Hara. But we also have uh, Rob Coolin, who's from SpaceX, actually, and a huge fan of the cold. He uh, is from Alaska. <laughs> And uh, he went to, let's see, I think University of Denver to get his master's and PhD in material science and engineering. Uh, oh wait, uh, he got a PhD in material science and engineering from University of Cal California, San Diego. So a little bit warmer there. But he also did, he was also was an ice driller in Antarctica. So the man loves the cold, but he works for SpaceX too. Yeah, and right, he's been working and directly responsible for several, for multiple parts, right, that are on the, the SpaceX vehicle, and who knows, there's a chance that he could fly on SpaceX, the SpaceX. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he's he's rooting for that for sure. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think that'll be, again, I think when you look at the important role that the astronauts play um, with the development of any new vehicle, whether that's NASA's Orion or the commercial vehicles, certainly having Rob's expertise, mm -hmm. um, having been so hands-on with SpaceX, we, I, I'm sure that will be very valuable to the office. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, talking with him, he's, he was, he was extra, he was laughing extra hard, I think, during that whole thing. And he, like I said, he had one of my favorite tooth truths and a lie was with the, that crazy cape story or the uh, astronaut helmet broken leg story. Insane. He was very, very nice man. Um, next person, Jasmine Mogbelli. Uh, Marine Corps. She was born in Germany, considers New York her home. MI graduated MIT with a degree in aerospace engineering, uh, information technology, and I think she was also, yeah, serving as an H-1 test pilot. Quality assurance at the avionics. Is she also a pilot? Yeah, there you go, 1,600 so she, hours. Yeah, she's a helicopter pilot. Um, a helicopter, very yep, cool. So that she's our only helicopter pilot in the group this, this time, and um, has had a, a wide range of experience. You highlighted MIT, and yeah. I think we have right. We have a number of candidates that have <laughs> either worked at MIT or degrees from MIT. Right. So, um, yeah, super smart. And they all have. I mean, they you know, like I going back to this. Not only is she a test pilot and you know is flying helicopters, but she also has advanced degrees in uh, engineering and you know she uh, naval postgraduate school. Amazing. Yep. Um, so Dr. Francisco Rubio, just call him Frank Rubio, um, let's see, undergraduate degree in international relations from United States Military Academy, doctorate in medicine uh, from Uniformed Services University of Health Sciences, uh, but he's also a battalion surgeon and 3rd Battalion, 10th Special Forces Group Airborne with the U.S. Army. And he also has some flight time, 1,100 hours in a helicopter and some skydiving experience yeah. as well. So like I said, this do it all. So he's also, a, he's a second doctor, right, along with Johnny Kim. Yes. And right, again, if you look at Frank's block of experience, he brings a lot of different things to the table. Certainly yeah. the helicopter experience, you know, over, I believe it's over 600 parachute jumps that's a lot yeah. at least for me who's done zero um, <laughs> i did one and i was very very scared the whole time yeah no i will stay with my zero number um <laughs> and then obviously you know the time practicing as a medical doctor with the army so yeah again yeah. we we ended up with 12 people that brought not just one thing to the table but they all brought a right a bunch of unique things exactly but so Tell me how the interview process works. So you bring, the, you obviously selected 12 people, but but it had to get weaned down from there, right? Isn't it? The first round of interviews is a couple hundred, and it's it's uh, calls, right? Is that how it goes? No. So we actually, okay. um, we 
we whittle down the applications by first weeding out the people that apply who are not qualified. Um, okay, so, so that's the easy part, right? Yeah, in a sense. yeah. In in a sense, interestingly enough, over time we have almost always consistently had about the same percentage of people who apply who aren't qualified. Um, oh, okay. We've heard through various sources that people want want the rejection letter. <laughs> um, right to say that they have applied to be a NASA astronaut. So tr- we we typically see a, a fair a fair chunk of applications for people that right may have a history degree and mm. not a technical degree, but okay. but want to apply. Yeah. Um, so that's our first kind of checkpoint. At that point, then we go through the qualified applications who have the right degrees and the right number of years of experience mm-hmm. and start you know, whittling down from there. Ultimately, we end up inviting 120 individuals for the first round of interviews. Okay. Um, and and then, they come here? And yes, we bring them here and okay. we interview them in person. Um, and that's where they start doing some just initial um, medical testing as well. And then ultimately, after that round of interviews wraps up, we we elected this time to bring 50 back for a second interview. Okay. And so it's out of that group of 50 that we selected the 12. So from 50 down to 12. And is the is the second round of inter- interviews a little bit more intensive? What do you do differently in the second round? Um, well, yes. The interview, right, kind of follows a normal interview track, the interview with the astronaut selection board. Certainly okay. the intensity, I think, gets added in that that's where we do more extensive medical testing, ah. um, behavioral health testing, um, team reaction exercises, some individual performance exercises as well are kind of all wrapped into that second. They're here almost for a week, that second inter- for that second inter- interview. Wow. Okay. And then from there, you have to yeah. narrow it down to 12. And so, that, that's I, perhaps the hardest part. I was just about to ask. Yeah. yeah that's, that sounds like it's got to be the hardest part yeah. because if you narrow down 18,000, obviously, you know, you, you the folks that aren't qualified, that's, uh, you know, a, a decent chunk, but you said it's the same percentage, right? So that still means you have a large percentage number number. of people that are qualified to be astronauts and you got to wean through them but still going down from 50 very very you know they're they're probably fantastic people uh you have to get down to 12. we did yeah and that honestly that was very difficult um for the board uh and it's (laughs) it's we we met some amazing americans throughout this process and so they're Mm -hmm. you know in the end it you, you know you're forced with a decision yeah. based on the needs of the office and kind of the mission profile. We kind of had settled on the number 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so the, the consensus of the board, um, you know, yes, yeah. that's, that's where it goes. <laughs> so, I mean, these 12 um, astronauts that we have in this mm-hmm. class of 2017 – what in sort of in general what did they do or say to sort of stand out from those 50 you know that's a in in one ways that'd be an easy thing to answer and just say they did everything right they Uh had everything we were looking for they communicated effectively yeah um in terms of the actual interviews with the board i mean yeah, I mean, you could get into specifics. And <laughs> and if you look at their skill set, um, right, they each brought more than one thing to the table based mm-hmm. on 
their backgrounds and their experience and, and things of that nature. So. Yeah, yeah. Everyone had, you know, they didn't just, like I said, they didn't just do one thing. They didn't have one degree. They had a degree and then they did this other thing yeah. and then also kind of dabbled in this on the side it's, it, or yeah. had a weird job over here. You know, an ice driller for Rob, that's, uh, that's crazy, you know, but it's, it's part of being in a harsh environment and I'm sure that's, yeah. you know, part of the reason he got selected. And right, they all, in it again, with the, with the final 50, right, you're talking to some just amazing people and mm-hmm. and they pursued careers and interests that they were passionate about yeah and when you like what you do already it's easy to talk and communicate about that effectively and kind of see yourself transitioning into a new role passion is absolutely key and i can you can see it with the folks that are on orbit now just how much they love the yeah. being an astronaut and love being in space i mean personally i can i could totally see myself there but i would be one of those one of those resumes you throw out right yeah <laughs> no yeah and personally i'm happy with my feet on the ground so yeah. I, i'm good where i am so um we, we selected 12 astronauts for 2017 and we there's got to be a reason for that right we're gearing up for something what are what is this class preparing for in the future well certainly i think the end goal is we hope that we're on a trajectory to someday send humans to mars i Mm -hmm. think that is where nasa as a whole kind of hopes we're heading um more immediately than that though we're certainly going to continue to fly to the international space station Mm -hmm. we have three new vehicles that are hopefully coming online as you've mentioned Mm -hmm. um so you know i think that opportunities are limitless right now so whether this class ends up going to station for their first mission and and somewhere beyond that for their second mission you know that's yet to be seen but certainly lots of lots of options are on the table which is exciting yeah i know a lot of the astronauts now in current classes they're training for well you know you got a couple all over the place so some some of the uh some of the astronauts coming up for for space station expeditions are obviously studying a lot of the space station systems and, and training for that. But we also have a cadre of of uh, astronauts that are training for commercial crew vehicles. Yeah, you know, like Sonny Williams, Sunny. Eric Bow, those guys. They're training for the uh, the Boeing Starliner and the SpaceX Crew Dragon. I'm sure we're going to see these guys have to do it all. Right? They're going to have to train for those space station, like you said, those space station missions. They're going to have to be super familiar with the commercial vehicles that we have. But then also be fully ready to go on a deep space mission with Orion. Yeah. They're going to have to do it all. And I wonder, uh, I mean, the, some of the re- more recent classes, like the 2009 class, is um, they're, they're, they've been starting to fly recently, right? So so Jack Fisher from the 2009 class is up yeah. there now, uh, coming back to when Reed Wiseman flew in 2013 or 14 or something. But it took him, you know, it took him five, some, somewhere between five and ten years to get ready for the International Space Station. I can only imagine, you know, for for missions beyond, but... um. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, we have, I think, at least one or two of the... 2013 class assigned so that's right it's becoming real for them as well yeah. <laughs> because yeah exactly becoming real i love that and so um just real quick before before we let you go what are they in for for the um i guess right now when they come on board in august they're going to be uh astronaut candidates and they have two years of, of training to do before they're considered astronauts what's, what's that going to be like so it'll be just what you said right they'll be learning a lot from mm-hmm. right now again with continuing to fly on board the international space station russian language is a component of that uh-huh. of the training program learning how to do uh, spacewalks mm-hmm. at least the fundamentals of it and getting to dive in the neutral buoyancy laboratory the big the big swimming pool um learn
learning the elements of robotics uh, to use the robotic arm on station. Yeah. And just basic International Space Station systems training. So mm-hmm. all of those pieces, um, from a technical perspective, they'll get they'll gain at least the fundamentals in during this two-year training window. I think another key piece of the training program now also comes from the fact that given that astronauts are kind of often the spokespeople for NASA, they're out and about, people recognize the blue suits. Um, Within that two years, we also familiarize them with all of the other exciting things that are happening happening at NASA and at all of the other centers. So we really want them to be well versed on what's going on at, at NASA as a whole, not just in the human spaceflight portfolio. Yeah. So that's another important piece of their training as well is is getting out and getting to visit each of the ten NASA field centers. Very true. I'm I'm very excited to hear their their what they're going to be doing for the training and and follow along in that journey as they, as they go on. I know it's been it's been a pleasure watching the 2013 astronauts, but also the 2009 astronauts too, because you know they're they're flying. So it's been quite a ride, and I can't wait for them to come on board. But I think that's about all the time we have. Um, thank you so much, Anne, for coming on. For the listeners, if you want to know more or you have a suggestion of what we should be talking about on this show, stay tuned till after the music to learn how to submit your ideas. And thanks so much for coming on. It's been amazing, but. It's also, it, it's, it's kind of cool to know the amount of effort it takes to find good people and bring them into the space program. Uh, and after meeting them and reading about their accomplishments, you can see why it's so important to, to do that. So we need the best and, and brightest for spaceflight. So thanks again, Amroma, for both your work, but also uh, coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Hey, thanks for sticking around. So today we talked with Ann Romer about the new astronaut class of 2017. We went through all of the 12 astronauts, really, and just kind of skimmed the surface of all of their qualifications and, and uh, what great people they are. If you want to know more, just go to nasa.gov slash 2017 astronauts. That's right, we have a whole webpage dedicated to uh, those astronauts and uh, their biographies, what they've accomplished so far. And trust me, it is truly, truly amazing to go through that. Uh, if you want to follow along on social media, we'll be um, updating some of their training and as they come aboard uh, here in the next few months. So if you go to Facebook, uh, we have uh, obviously the NASA account will be will be talking about this, but also the NASA Johnson Space Center as they come aboard here in Texas. Uh, on Twitter, that's at NASA if you want to look at the agency account or at NASA underscore Johnson, that's us. Uh, and Instagram, you can also go to at NASA or at NASA Johnson. We'll be talking about all the same stuff. If you go and use the hashtag AskNASA on any one of those platforms, uh, you can submit an idea, and uh, we'll make sure to visit it in one of the later podcasts here. Uh, this podcast was recorded on June 14th, 2017. The, true, the Two Truths and a Lie segment was recorded on June 8th, 2017. And thanks to Alex Perryman, John Stoll, and uh, Brandy Dean for helping out with this episode. Thanks again to Miss Anna Romer for coming on the show. So uh, once again, this show is intended to be weekly, and we will go uh, 
answer some of your questions on Ask NASA soon, but we ha we do have a bank of episodes uh, that we're working on, so it may be a couple episodes until we get to that, but trust me, it'll be where well worth it to submit some of your questions because uh, we may make a whole episode out of answering them. So we'll see you next week. <laughs>